to the Small Business Cheerleader podcast. I'm Nicola from NW Marketing, and I'm very proud to be joined today by Taryn from Fit Right Physio. And we're going to be talking today about, well, all things family, small business, and a pandemic. And I wanted to say welcome and thanks so much for being on the podcast. And how are you today? Good, and thank you very much for having me. <laughs> I love being on things like this. <laughs> awesome. And you know I love to chat, so we're all about business today. And I just want to know the story behind FitRight. So fill us in. How did you come about and what was the reason behind you starting uh, FitRight? Um, it was more than six and a half years ago. So what was the catalyst that made you go into small business with the FitRight um, brand? Yes, well, I'd, um, I'd started my career in physiotherapy, uh, I think, five or six years before that point. And so I'd always worked in private practice physiotherapy and right from day one, pretty much, I um, I realized how much I loved the area of physiotherapy that was women's health. And I started working on um, a private maternity ward at um, the, the one at St. John of God Murdoch and loved the mix of that and getting to run the aqua classes with the, so exercise classes in the water with the pregnant and postnatal women. And I, in that first year of being a physio, I did a year of becoming a training to be a clinical Pilates instructor. And, and anyway, I loved it all so much that I was quite unusual in that I, um, I decided to sign up to do my master's in that area after only with only one year experience as a physio a lot a lot of people do their women's health physiotherapy masters after having their own kids and sort of experiencing maybe pelvic floor dysfunction stuff themselves or issues with pre and postnatal fitness themselves and then go into it later but yeah me as a 21 or 22 year old I was like yep the pelvic floor health and um, women's health is where I want to go so did that and um then as I was working in that space then with women's health and with a real slant on exercise, I was starting to run classes for the for that private um, physio practice um, that were pre and postnatal group um, Pilates style classes and realised so quickly how, how um, rare that was in Perth to have a physio who had done postgraduate study, was a, an expert in this area of pre and postnatal health and was running exercise classes. Um, because, um, yeah, a lot of the exercise classes for pre and postnatal were, um, were run by people who maybe were fitness instructors who'd done a weekend course in pregnancy exercise or had had their own kids and therefore were taking it on their own experience. But yeah, to have an, an rebateable service with physio too, you know, um, it was, it was quite, quite quickly. I realized how booked up it was getting and how it had the opportunity to really expand. And I also at the same time was doing my master's where I got to choose a master's research project to do. And I chose to do it on the topic of stress incontinence, which is leaking with exertion stress incontinence in women who attend gyms. And I found the results came back saying that 50% of the women who did our survey said they leaked when they exercised or exerted themselves. And I was like, that is higher than the general population. That's not fair that women who are trying to do the right thing and go to the gym are possibly inadvertently causing themselves to have this pelvic floor dysfunction. Maybe they're exercising in a way that promotes that without realizing it. Why aren't there more pelvic floor friendly type exercise classes for women around? So yeah, that that's where that's where FitRight stemmed from, and and I've been working over the last six or seven years to kind of keep that growing to 
with the thought of trying to empower as many women as possible to um, take control of their pelvic floor health and be proactive rather than reactive with it. Um, because as, as probably a lot of a lot of women listening who, especially those who are maybe in the generation or two above me, I'm in my 30s, um, but I know that my mother and grandmother's generation, it was definitely sort of a wait and see approach to pelvic floor health. Like, uh, you know, you, yeah, you'll probably get some incontinence, you'll probably get prolapse. We know that the, those two things affect between a third and half of all women. Um, so you'll probably get them, just wait and see if it gets bad enough to have surgery. <laughs> I really wanted to start FitRight to have something that was really widely, easily accessible to help promote the fact that we could do something about it earlier than that. And we could, we could change, hopefully change those statistics in my generation that, uh, that it's not, it's not uh, so high. <laughs> I think it's amazing because, I mean, I'm probably one up, I'm late 40s. So the thing is that it was never even, really spoken to us I did the um the physio in the hydropool did that at St John of God in um, Murdoch um yeah yeah so (laughs) that was um an amazing service uh for going into having babies and making sure that you were looking after yourself and I I just I couldn't um thank those ladies enough it was amazing and uh, after that though I didn't really see much that I could get involved in once I'd had the baby, it didn't really feel like it was, again, even then it felt like it was something that you just worried about later on. And um, so I think you seeing that gap in the market from a marketing point of view is wonderful because I can see that you found your why, your vision, your mission, all the things that I talk about in my coaching to see it in action is amazing. And then because you've seen that gap in the market, you've identified it, people have flock to it because there was a need yeah and that's where when you find a why and you really can see a gap in the market it's amazing how it can flow and how quickly it can flow and and like you said you identified that um there wasn't something out there and now women are seeing the difference and that's interesting I didn't realize that with the exercise that it actually was becoming an issue for some women in in the types of exercises they were doing. That's really interesting. See, there's um, another niche altogether that I wouldn't have thought about when it came to this sort of thing and getting um, proactive in that. So what's in that space? What have you found from the women you've spoken to and and you're working through in in that space? In the space of women who are um, attending um, exercise at the gym and, and having pelvic floor dysfunction yeah um look i what i've found a lot is that um uh the ex especially you know five or ten years ago when i was first in this space the exercise that was being heavily promoted for women that was like the new biggest thing at the time really was crossfit f45 which is still obviously very popular um and popular for women but i think maybe maybe previous generations of women, the popular exercise options were not quite so high impact or high load, but now those were the really popular things. And even the the quite generic gym classes that are not necessarily as intense as those maybe, but like the Les Mills type classes, they do have a lot of impact in them and they do have the the abs exercises in them are quite quite high level abs exercises that um, may promote some uh, increased pressure in the abdomen and pelvic floor symptoms and things like that. So, yeah, I, I find myself 
spending lots of time um, teaching women to be empowered to know what the, the what the regressions are of certain exercises that they can choose to do at the gym to keep them going to the gym, what the lower impact, lower load versions are, and then working with them to get their pelvic floor matching what they want to do so they can build back up to, to the higher versions. I also have spent a lot of time in the last decade um, trying to create links between the fitness industry and the women's health physiotherapy industry um, so that it's not just an us and them approach. It's like um, I, I run a few training courses a year, four or five week training courses online where um, I help um, uh, physios who don't specialise in this area and other allied health professionals and chiros, um, uh, occupational therapists, um, nurses, but also fitness professionals who want to upskill in the area of pelvic floor health and pre and postnatal health, um, mainly with the main aim of them knowing how to work with a women's health physio to better manage their clients. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's about making the collaboration between all the different aspects of women's health when they're going through different stages of life, isn't it? Making yes. sure if they're coming out after having a new baby, they know what the next step is in regards to their care um, and not feeling like they're just left out there, that it's part of having a baby, that you just have to deal with it. And I mean, I know they tell you to do all the exercises when you come out, but you do start to become very lax. Um, but also, do you know that um, if uh, there's research that shows that if you're just verbally taught pelvic floor exercises like in a brochure on a maternity ward there's a there's a pretty high chance that you're not going to do it right <laughs> like, it's so true it's so true I mean look I mean I had a cesarean so um I was of that thing oh it doesn't affect me at all and then of course I had the things where the physio had to come in and work because um what is it where you have the muscles that come together and then they don't they're not yeah. together anymore because um yeah. Yeah. and that's a whole nother issue so mm. Um, God lovers, aren't we great? Um, <laughs> women are great. Um, it's hard work, and I just don't think I, I just think it's amazing that you're doing this now because yeah, you don't want to get to um, sixty and and fifty, sixty, and and have to deal with these issues if there is something that you can proactively look at. So now I want to know with you this journey of having your business the last six and a half years. You've done this, and you've had two kids in that time as well. So what's it been like? building a business that's growing so rapidly and having kids and trying to manage it all. Um, what have you, what's the journey been like and what have you learned from it that you can maybe pass on to those that might be new or coming into this journey and have, or may not have young kids yet, but will be looking to, you know, what's the way to get um, the best out of both? Yeah. And I, I think I might be a bit unusual um, with some other business owner friends that I know in that like doing the masters in women's health. I think starting a business is sometimes people will start uh, put their mind to when they're on maternity leave, maybe, or when they've had their kids. Whereas I actually feel like I was quite lucky and I'm glad I did it the way I did it. So if anybody's, you know, listening to this and thinking about when in their, when in their life, um, span that they um, they might like to start a business. I started my business a few years before my first baby was born, mm. um, and it it allowed me to get everything to go through some to be able to put in some really um, uh, big hours to start with and to kind of um, uh, make some mistakes along the way and have time and energy to fix them up and also to get fit right to a point where I was replicated <laughs> um, where there were there were more there were more Tarans, more physios doing 
um, exercise classes under the FitRight name all over Perth. I think by the time I had Benji, there were probably about 40 other physios contracted to FitRight. And I had, um, I think that one thing about if anybody listening is owns a business and is going to have a baby soon and is worried about what that is like, I guess uh, something that ha has been a big realisation for me is that having a baby and going on maternity leave as such in inverted commas, because you don't go really on maternity leave when you're a business owner, but, um, but it's, it's something that is actually a real blessing in a small business because it forces you to have systems in place to, um, to uh, get by without you there. And I think that if I didn't have, <clears throat> have that forced time away in my business, I probably would have gone on for a lot longer without outsourcing as much as I needed to. So um, obviously taking the time to prepare <clears throat> and outsource and replicate yourself and put in place really good um, task manuals and procedures and protocols and everything. But yeah, that it's, it is actually really good for business, I think, to see how everything goes with you not there as oh, much. A hundred, a hundred percent. I did it the completely opposite way. So I uh, learned that the hard way. Um, I really started my business after I'd had my kids and they were only, my youngest was seven months old. So yeah, you just don't, you just do it all yourself. And, and you're trying to manage two kids and you've got them, you know, wanting your time and, you, you know, you, you haven't sorted that out yet on how to make it happen. I think I've only just done that in the last 18 months and that my kids are now 15 and 16 and they don't need me anyway now. So it really it's quite redundant. Um, it would have been great to have all of that in place when they were younger. Um, but we don't know all these things and we learn as we go, which is why these um, podcasts are so important to listen to other people's mm -hmm. stories and take the bits and pieces that will work in your life. Um, mm -hmm. And I agree the processes and taking the time to create the processes can feel like a task um, that um, seems too hard at some points, but the response you'll get in the end and the, the way it allows you to step out of your business is amazing. And I don't think people, I, I can't say that enough, that the time spent creating uh, those systems and processes will pay you back tenfold in your uh, time given back later on. So that is uh, 100%. And, and to, for you to do that at such a young age is amazing as well. Okay. To know that that was what you wanted to do and the way to do it, um, where a lot of people don't see that. They think it's all hustle, it's all about them, and it can't work without them. And that's when you get stuck. And that's where burnout happens. And that's where you can really, really not like your business anymore. So you've grown your business because you've been able to do that. And that's why you love it even more, because now you can give more impact back. You can yes. give more and teach more people. That's the benefit of outsourcing, because you can give yourself to more people. And um, um, replicating yourself, as you said, um, or just being having access to groups or, or bigger amounts of people. Yes. I think, I think that's awesome. Um, and because you're giving back such a wonderful service to people that, um, you know, you're going to be changing lives. And I think that um, you should be applauded for because um, you do. Everyone needs somebody in their corner, and especially when it comes to uh, women's health. Now, yeah, I love yeah. I love doing that for women. Honestly, I do feel very lucky that this is my job that I get to I get to help so many women on a regular basis. And even if I, not just me, but the people who also work for FitRight, that we get to help such a wide geographical area of women. It's yeah, it's fabulous.
Yeah, and, and you've done that by setting it up in the right way. And that's what business owners um, need to sit back and work on because, yes, you can impact the lives of so many more people if you're able to scale. And that's what it comes down to. It's not about making more money. It's about scaling. Well, it's always about making more money in the end, <laughs> but it's about scaling and being able to give your offer to more people. And yes, that does make you more money, but it ends up being something that lights you up. And something that lights you up will allow you to continue to love your business and will allow you to do it for the long term and will allow you to have your kids see you happy and see what you can give to people. And that alone is a gift to, to kids when they can see that mum is really making a difference in people's lives lives. Um, now we're going to talk about that's the joys of building a business. And now I want to talk about a pandemic and having a fitness business and how that looks when you've got not even that, but you've got a new baby in the process um, going through all of this. Now share with me, what's it like having a fitness um, business when you're told to lock down and it changes every five minutes and you have a family to run? What does it look like? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Where do I start? Have you have you blocked out the memories? Are they just all blocked out now? I actually I've realized with these subsequent lockdowns that I do have some degree of PTSD around that first lockdown and I I know that it, uh, it was obviously hard for everybody for different reasons but what it looked like for me was that I'd had a baby in November. I um I had uh, I had my mother-in-law living with me for with, living with us for three months. Um, she'd come from overseas, and then she had left in um, she needed to leave visa-wise in mid-February, um, and then she hasn't been able to get back since. <laughs> so we'd we'd gone from having her living with us, helping me, plus having my parents who live in the next suburb helping me. Um, and the balance of having having that help oh, and having my son at daycare or kindy three and it was daycare at the time three days a week my three-year-old who was very demanding but at least he was he was away three days a week and all of a sudden that was all taken away at once at exactly the time that probably I was starting to like uh, take on a bit more responsibility again in the business anyway and the plan was you know at that time at about four or five months postnatal I was going to take on more but it all hit at once it was like I was going to take on more I was going to start running some classes again um, my support network got completely taken away because um, I don't I don't know if you remember Nicola but that first lockdown we were so uncertain about whether we should see anybody at all and what was constituted essential childcare and what wasn't but I, I kept my kids my four or five month old baby and my very demanding three-year-old at home full-time for a few for a while um, without having any break from my three-year-old at all. Um, I had to, uh, I mean, from a from a, a non-business point of view, from a looking after kids point of view, I had to give up breastfeeding quite soon after that because I couldn't, my three-year-old wouldn't leave me alone long enough to yep. breastfeed Ruby properly. Um, so there was all that side of it going on um, and lack of sleep with a four or five month old. But then on top of that, it wasn't just getting back into the business as I normally would. It was having to navigate um, the, the restrictions, navigate online exercise options and how to pivot quite quickly to take everything online. It was, it was you know, having, we ran in six-week courses and this happened in like week three or four of a course and not knowing, do we refund thousands of dollars for the remainder of that course? Um, do I still have to pay the staff, the contractors then for the remainder of the course if I refund the money? Um, 
you know, it was, and we did, we, we did actually refund everybody that first time, um, you know, thousands of dollars in one hit, just gone, refunded. Um, in future lockdowns, we've, we've put protocols in place so that people know when they sign up that it will be an online alternative instead of a refund or, or um, uh, but, but at the time we didn't. Um, and then it was, um, you know, navigating um, uh, JobKeeper and whether that was going to come into place. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, I don't think I'm ever gonna have as tough a time as that ever again. And then the, the, then we, we didn't run face-to-face -face classes. I think it was between three and four months. We had online only and the revenue was like 20% of what it normally would be for quite a while because of decreased numbers in classes, but also um, decreased uh, amount that you charge for online versus in person. You can't rebate online physio classes, but you can have a rebate for face-to-face uh, -face ones. So there was all that. Um, and, uh, and then the rebuild after that has been really tricky because um, uh, although we could then start running classes again, over that three or four months, a lot of the contractors, the physios that ran classes, they got out of the habit of running their one or two classes a week. Maybe, uh, you know, things changed and they had to go back to work in hospital jobs or something like that. There weren't actually very many people who opted to come back to run classes compared to before. Um, so now, you know, uh, just over a year after we relaunched um, the in-person classes, we are only just starting to get back to the sort of timetable we had previously. Um, and, uh, and, you know, JobKeeper finished at the end of last year. So there was always that hanging over me too, was that we can survive now with JobKeeper, but can we when JobKeeper finishes? And um, and then this most recent lockdown has been a bit different again in that um, we launched a second business. I, I launched a second business recently um, with a business partner this time, same brand, FitRight, but it's called FitRight HQ. It's, a, it's a, a physical clinic where the participants can come and have their pelvic floor assessment or other people who are not in the classes can come for physio um, and, and women's health physio and lactation consultancy services here. So um, I had to, uh, this last lockdown, I had to navigate not just the world of fitness classes, but the world of cl physiotherapy clinics as well. And uh, I'd heard about this obviously previously, but it never personally affected me that physio in WA is not considered an essential service during a lockdown. So, um, and this time we had the first day or two of lockdown, we were told we were essential and then it changed to be non-essential for the remainder of the lockdown. So um, yeah, and then physio, the exercise classes this time, you'd think that the guidelines would be set and the same for um, restrictions and, and easing of restrictions with fitness classes each time. But not only were they different this time, they changed three times within about an eight hour period. And we just have to hustle and change, you know, um, let everybody know who's in classes for the next, for the coming days, know very, very quickly um, whether their class is on or not and keep making decisions as to um, whether our protocols are still okay. Are we, are people going to think we're being really unfair or only offering online alternatives? There's that stress hanging over you. Are we going to get multiple complaints? Are people going to rebook for next course? If I can prove a certain decrease of revenue, will I get something back but if I can't prove a decrease in revenue because we're not actually giving refunds 
but we have a whole heap of disgruntled clients who don't sign up again and there's decreased revenue later. Does that count? You know, there is so much to navigate. And, yeah, I mean, my kids are now four and a half and one and a half, so they're a little bit easier. It's a little bit easier, um, but it's still full on to have both kids at home and to have to suddenly have to listen to Mark McGowan and what he's saying um, and try and navigate what's happening when you've got two kids hanging off you and you've got... 15 physio contractors waiting to hear whether their classes are going to go ahead and 150 women in classes wondering whether they're going to go ahead. It's- and then people say and then people say to you, gee, you look a bit tired today. And you're like, really? Am I? It's one of those things where um, I think that's what um, people forget when they see these things online about um, about it being closed and, you know, oh, you know, fit in the gyms have to close. But they do forget um, that when it comes to physios and healthcare, that, yeah, you, you have that, that line, don't you, where it, I, oh, it's really hard to decide um, that I think even the McGowan government can't make decisions on, on where it comes when it comes to physio because there's a lot of backlash about people saying, well, that's health-related and, you know, that, that should be an essential service and, and it's hard for them to make that decision. And then you're the one that's sitting there, as you said, waiting to hear what Mark McGowan has to say before you can decide what the hell you're doing with your own business, yeah. uh, let alone everyone, um, you know, on your back about am I coming, am I not coming, is the class on, is it not, where's this online option, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I mean, it was hard enough for us with the first pandemic um, lockdown with the shopping centres uh, stopping all of their work um, and us not knowing the next day whether shopping centres would even open ever again because yeah. it felt like it was Armageddon and nothing yeah. was ever going to open again and would we ever get any work back? And I'm sure you felt that same way because of the fact that lockdown, we were all so scared and we didn't know whether there would be the financial resources to back us up until JobKeeper came through. That first month was horrific. And I can only imagine with a newborn and and not going out because we really didn't know if we should go anywhere. I mean, the second and third lockdown, we sort of knew what it meant and we knew that we would get out of it eventually and et cetera. But yeah, it doesn't make it any easier. So are there any tips, final tips that you would give anyone after your PTSD episodes of lockdown and a family what would you what got you through what do you think it was that got you through besides just adrenaline and hustle was there anything um you would say you've learned over the past year and a half or really it's just stick to your guns um stay positive and um make sure your team is all on the same page I suppose as well yeah I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that yeah, if I didn't love my business and love what I do and really, really like thoroughly believe in what I'm doing and that my service, the service that we're offering was essential, I think that, you know, I would have, um, there were multiple, multiple times when I thought I really should consider just shutting fit right down. Um, but then I thought of all the people, all the positive feedback that we get, all the people that are relying on us. And um, I think that the tip would be if you're going to get into a business, especially one that might be um, a volat- in a volatile environment like this, you've really got to love what you do. <laughs> you've really got to want to do it. But um, and and then I guess um, another tip would be just making sure that you, um, if you're gonna, if you're in business, just um, to to make sure that you are an adaptable person that can um, that can 
change things and can think on the spot and work out what what can be done um, and and have a team around you who can help you with that um, and uh, and yeah I guess the final thing which I'm not always good at is boundaries you know that um, is just working out where that limit is of enough is enough and there were multiple times where I really had to put a time limit at least a few nights a week on the time that I would stop working in the evening so that my husband felt like I had time to spend with him um, because if I didn't put boundaries like that in I could go weeks at a time at particularly difficult points in the business of um, you know spending all day with the kids not not focusing on the business deliberately and then um, you know come bedtime straight into business mode and not um, not spend time with him um, so prioritizing that and deliberately keeping a um, appointments, you know, beautician, hairdresser, um, appointments, things that were just for me, prioritizing them and keeping them even when it was difficult and time was poor, as time poor, um, prioritizing doing things like that so that I didn't start to feel like I, um, I was hardly done by, <laughs> like, like I didn't have any me time. Yeah, no, that sounds, that those three tips, I think, um, would go for every small business owner, um, whether you're, stuck right in the middle of a pandemic or just hustle mode. Um, yeah, we need to make time for ourselves and we need to make time for our family because we do get stuck into it. And it's very easy to get stuck on the laptop or wherever you are and um, not, I mean, it could be your kids. I mean, I've been guilty of being on the phone and and when mine were younger and trying to, you know, do work and trying to deal with a, a one and a half and a minor only 18 months apart and trying to deal with that wanting my attention and trying to do two things at once and it, you don't do either well and that's we all know that that's the saying but it's very true um, focus on what you're doing even if it's 10 minutes if you focus on it your your kids or your husband will get more out of it is when you do the half-assed bit that you don't do either well when you're half listening or you're half paying attention it's um it's not worth it so put it down for 10 minutes even if it's 10 minutes and do whatever it is you need to do now because you have a wonderful, wonderful business empowering women um, and making proactive choices uh, with their pelvic floor as opposed to reactive. Where can people find you? And um, what's the best way for them to get involved um, if this is something that is calling to them at the moment? Yes, yeah. Well, um, uh, the, the, the way you spell fit right is F-I-T-R-I-G-H-T, fit right, or one word. Um, the, uh, the, the website, www.fitright.physio, has links to both companies on there. So the company that's for the exercise classes and the company that's the, the physical clinic in Applecross. Um, people can book into the classes online. They can book, if, you, if they're pregnant, they can book into a preg ed workshop um, to uh, have a pelvic floor assessment and uh, learn all about everything we wish that all pregnant women knew preemptively about exercise and pelvic floor. Um, yeah, they can book into the six-week courses and they can book for um, their assessment. I didn't say that before, actually, Nicola, but one of the things as well that FitRight is really different about is that the exercise classes, it's a requirement to have a pre-assessment before joining. And that was something I was really passionate about was that the instructors wouldn't have people in their class where they're saying lift your pelvic floor and they don't know if some of the people in the class are actually doing the wrong thing very likely that people are if they're not taught um, if they don't have an individual assessment so yes 
That's, yeah, that's awesome because I know that that was when I was doing Pilates, that was a requirement as well to, to do the pre-classes to make sure that you are taking the most of your classes when you're doing them properly. You know, that's you know what you're supposed to be doing when they say gather your pelvic floor together when we did Pilates. So you know exactly what that is because, yeah, otherwise you're not having any impact. So that's awesome to know too, that people know when they're doing the classes, they're actually going to have an impact. They don't get lost and feel like they don't know what they're doing. I think that's wonderful. Well, it's been awesome. Awesome. You got something else? I was just going to say I'm really active on Instagram. So if anybody wants to follow at FitRapPhysio on Instagram, I share heaps of pelvic floor health tips and exercise tips on there. So love to. Who who isn't? Who isn't on Instagram and who doesn't? (laughs) follow people they love so that's awesome because that means that people who are on there can regularly get updates and um and know what it's all about even if they want to test it out as in have a look at what you do what you put up online see if it's something that's calling them um and then they'll they'll get a feeling from your insta what it's all about and i think that's what it's important to get it out there to more people so that's why this is so important we're talking today and i'll put all those links up in our socials and also in the description in the bio for the YouTube uh, video that we've got so they can get you. It's been awesome talking today, Taryn. Thank you so much for coming on and um, best of luck with everything. And um, I'm so glad you didn't chuck in the towel and that you kept going through. <laughs> and to listen to what you went through, um, I mean, we've all felt it as small business owners, but it's even harder when you've got a new baby in the mix. So um Uh, yeah heads up to you've done a really awesome job so um, congrats on that and I look forward to continuing to follow you online thank you all right thanks Taryn see ya bye